And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out my weekly email where I share actionable website and B2B marketing tips, useful podcasts, free goodies, resources, and more to kick off your week with a bang. Why not give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, I've got James Furbush, James, the VP of Marketing over at Access One. A warm welcome to the show, sir. How are we doing? Sam, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No dramas, man. Looking forward to today's chat. We are going to be discussing exactly what small B2B marketing teams should focus on. I feel like this is going to be useful because, one, we haven't done it before, and I think Quite often in organizations, just marketing teams in general get neglected. It's quite often a struggle when it comes to asking for budget, asking for resources. It's quite often one of those departments that gets given the the backhand or just gets forgotten about it. So uh, I'd love to dive straight in. Absolutely. Um, I think being a small marketing team is where it's at. It's pretty much the most fun, you know, got to wear a lot of hats and... um, be a little bit scrappy with with whatever resources you are are given or allocated and uh and a lot of times that's that's where the fun and the magic happens yeah yeah that's the way man i of, i often think the same like when you're when you're in a smaller team we'll we'll talk about this in a sec but you can get things done faster and there's there's a lot of pros and cons but anyway maybe we should start with the advantages like we talked about some then what are some of the pros some of the great things about having a small marketing team and when we say small marketing team and your team james what are we talking are we talking one person maybe two or three or yep so we so right now currently it's one two three there's four of us um and that's you know myself um i have at access one so it's it's me I have a ops person. Her name is Prob. She's fantastic. I hired her to um, basically run Salesforce and a HubSpot and do a lot of that. Uh, we have our CMO, Robert, um, who has been with Access One for, for a very long time. Um, and then we have a designer and someone on sales enablement to, to better help support uh, sales um, and things like that. So there, there's four of us. We're, we're pretty small, but yeah, we're a pretty kind of small and, and mighty team. Um, and I think the, the biggest advantage, honestly, is 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 exactly what you just sort of hinted at is that speed. Um, yep. You know, you're able to sort of, I think, go from idea to execution uh, very quickly. And I think, you know, sometimes when you have a small marketing team too, you're given a little bit more leeway to I think try and fail and and try a bunch of different stuff, um, you know, which is sometimes a lot more fun than when you have, like when I was at Athena Health, and this was maybe five or six years ago. Our marketing right. team was a hundred people. I don't know, eighty wow. people. It was like a very large marketing team, and everybody sort of it was, you know, I like to think of it as like the marketing assembly line where everybody had their like, you know, we had the email person and the SEO person and the, the PPC person and, you know, very defined uh, roles. And that's fine. That that can be great too, because you sort of know what it is that you're focused on and your program and, and things like that. But, sure, you know, at the same time, you're like, I got to go to this person to do that. And, 
you know, you're just in a lot of meetings to like get work done. Whereas, you know, I feel like with our team, it's, it's very small and, and, you know, over Slack or teams or whatever it is, phone calls, um, you know, it's like, should we try X? Should we try Z? Like, how quickly can we try that? And like, you know, you're just throwing a bunch of ideas at the wall and, and trying to execute very quickly on, on certain things. So I, I think that's pretty much the, the, the primary advantage is, is honestly, um, moving quickly and, and, and sort of knowing that you're responsible for a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. 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 It's almost to me sounds a bit like being in a startup in the early days. Like you can, when you're the founder or your first few team members of a team, like you can really, you need to move fast because quite often, if especially if you're like a bootstrap company or got limited funding, you need to, you need to do things that are going to move the needle that are going to drive revenue. So you need to come up with ideas fast. You don't want to mess about. You want to put stuff to the market and you want to start seeing what's actually driving like the leads, the inbounds, the revenue, what's moving the pipeline across. So it's, for me, it's, it's exactly what I love talking about because it's fun. It's fast paced. You don't have to go through tons of paperwork. You don't have to go through tons of people in your organization to make decisions. So it's, uh, it's good fun, right? Yeah. Or, you know, who that decision maker is, right? So you're just like, I'm going to call. Mm whoever it's like hey what about this can we do this yes um you get that feedback from other people much more quickly um and and that makes it a little bit more fun it's not like um you know like we did this we started doing this thing where um just as it's not i, I will not pretend that it is like a, a good tactic for driving you know demo requests or anything like that but you know, we do do a lot of trade shows here at healthcare in the US. And so we started doing, um, you know, like Spotify playlists uh, for that city where the trade show is going to happen. So if it's in like Nashville or New Orleans, we have one coming up, uh, Chicago, things like that. Yep. Uh, you know, we started just doing these fun, just like branded playlists as like another thing we can send to attendees ahead of the, the show. And it's a little bit different, right? And, and, uh, but again, it's like fun. Cause it's like, well, are there like legal issues with like doing that? And so, you know, I had to like send an email to our lawyer and Yeah, yeah. like, hey, Kaylin, like, what's the deal? Like, uh, you know, and she got back to me and she's like, well, this is a very fun request to have to like look into, <laughs> um, you know, but it's like, you nip that in the bud, like within a day and you're like, okay, great. Now we can do this. We're just going to have a little bit of fun on this thing you know, at a larger company, it might be like, you know, you're going to this person and that person's going to that person. And it's three weeks later before you're even dealing with legal, uh, yeah. to get those answers that, that you might need. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. And, and from an honest perspective, like apart from, um, being able to move a lot quicker and get things done fast, are there any kind of cons or any negative angles to having a smaller team? Yeah, I mean, I think just feeling sometimes like you're, uh, you know, like someone's throwing you over the side of a boat and you're... Yeah, yeah, sink or swim. It's like sink or swim, right? Like when, <laughs> when people are like, well, what are you responsible for? And it's like, well, I do content, I do demand, I do product marketing, I do uh, some op stuff. Uh, you know, it's like you just look at your whiteboard and it's like sometimes it can be like a, um, a struggle to figure out what to prioritize on. Right. You're moving so quickly and it's like, I got to get this done. I got to get that done. You're 
the context switching from going to be like doing a product marketing thing or customer interviews to writing a blog post or, you know, right now doing like a TAM analysis and, you know, being like, oh my God, I don't, you know, someone's like, oh, just do like an Excel formula for figuring out blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm a freaking writer. Like, I don't know how to do like <laughs> Excel, right? And so like, there's just that context switching and, and, and wearing a lot of different hats sometimes can honestly be, be, it's fun, but it can also sometimes be overwhelming where you're like, I really would just love to have like one or two programs that I am like focusing on and feeling like I am like absolutely crushing it versus yeah. sometimes you feel like you're just constantly just doing a lot of different things and you're like, am I doing these things well? Am I just moving too quickly to get a lot of this stuff done and out the door? Um, so that can oftentimes be a struggle. I mean, it's like fun, but it can sometimes feel like a struggle. I think a lot of times. Um, yeah, so. no, I get that. I get that. And I'm, I'm in a similar place, right? Running a, a web and SEO agency for small businesses like that. Sometimes it feels like there's tons of tasks, but on the benefit of it, when you do do many, try many of these jobs yourself, you, you learn pretty quick, like necessity is the mother of invention, right? So well, <laughs> it's, it's good. And and again, bad. If, if you're an ambitious marketer, I, I mean, I would say like you absolutely at some point in your career, probably earlier, it is probably well worth your time to try to be an early, be on a small team, be an early marketing hire frankly right now i feel very well equipped you know if someone is like okay you know you want to be a cmo you want to kind of run an entire marketing team it's like being on a early hire or a solo team or a small team it's like you're doing budgets you're doing you know this like you're knowing finding out very quickly like what you are good and not good at yep right so like here at access one when when it was like, okay, we have headcount for a new hire. And I'm like, I am not spending 60% of my time going into Salesforce doing like objects and like redoing account layouts. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, I, I cannot spend my time neck deep in ops. And so we need to hire someone. And it's like, you wouldn't know that unless, you know, when you are the, the only marketer, at q square it's like people come to you and they're like hey this is broken how do i get this to show up and you're like trying to figure that out on behalf of your sales team and, and the company because you know that that adds value so you kind of have to do it but if you don't do it you're never going to know that like a that's not the best use of your time and, and b how you add value and see that there are people out there who are good at that and you might as well just like hire them and add them to your team to like have them be those experts yep so i do sure. i do think if you are an ambitious marketer it, it, it makes sense for you because you are exposed to so many different things that like you should absolutely at some point in your career try to be a, a solo marketer on a on a small growing team yeah man i i completely agree like whether it's a small team new business startup whatever it just gives you so much not just business experience but life experience like if you ever wanted to do your own side gig or start your own business it will help you deal with so much pressure and you'll be way more prepared for different tasks thrown at you realizing when you need to outsource something realizing when you need to do something in-house delegation like all these things that are just such good life skills oh my god i mean take it like one step out further too like for you 
Right. So you've got your company and you're doing this podcast and you're doing some marketing stuff as well, I imagine, but it helps you, right? Like I'm sure there's a million other things that you're doing as the kind of owner of, of this business, whether it's like HR stuff, uh, a hiring, whatever that might be, but at least you've done enough marketing where, you know, now it's like, you're going to hire a marketer. Like, you know what that is that you need, right? Like, you know, because you've done it, mm what it is that you need to fill that role and have that person be successful. Um, and I think, you know, it's the same thing with, with marketing. There's so many different facets of it. Um, and, and they're also different. A product marketer is very different than a, you know, a designer, different than a content person, different than a, whatever that may be. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Cool, man. Chili Piper's automated scheduling tools are super effective for booking and scheduling demos. I could chat about them all day long, but why not listen as a new customer witnesses the magic of Chili Piper for the very first time? Okay, you're just about to switch gears. I'm ready for it now. Hold on. Oh, we, we got one. We got one? We got one. Oh my God. Ah, yes. All right, via ownership to... One of our AEs pinged me and goes, guess what just worked? Exactly how it should have happened. This is exactly how it should have happened. I could have done it. Oh my God, you are incredible. So there it is. Proof of the power of Chili Piper. Book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash BGS. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R.com slash BGS. Chilipiper.com forward slash BGS. Are you tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with the results today. So with that in mind, let's get actionable here. Let's talk about some of the focuses of marketing teams and this is this is quite a broad topic but with so much thrown about in the b2b marketing world right now james you've only got a flick on to linkedin or any other b2b channel whether that's people talking about on youtube tiktok whatever there's so much talk about creating demand for your company building brand for your company capturing existing demand in the market um but in your in your opinion what is what what should be the focus especially when you're a small marketing team you've got limited resources probably limited budget to a certain extent what are we meant to double down on or how do we what should be our first considerations yeah and this is probably not the answer that's that great because the answer is it depends right like <laughs> i mean for for me and, and and i'll kind of draw on my experience when you know when when i started at q squared which is um you know, I, I started and 
pipeline was relatively healthy relative to um, the revenue goals of, of the company. And, and so I was able to really kind of with the founders work on, okay, you know, do we need to add pipeline? Is that sort of the, the immediate need where we need to go out and, and really get, you know, capture existing demand, go out and get, you know, pull people in. And honestly, it was great having those early conversations because it's like, no, I think we're pretty good. Like, here's what our pipeline looks like for the year. And if we get X deals yep. across the finish line. So it sort of freed me up to be like, okay, great. Like, then what I'm going to do is make sure that I'm going to start at the bottom of the, the funnel and really enable sales to have the stuff that they need to like go out and close whatever deals that they are currently working on. So figuring out and partnering with them to figure out the assets and the things that they need. You know, we really worked hard on honing our strategic narrative and uh, sales deck uh, from the start, right? Like making sure that when people were delivering that, that they were felt super confident that it was going to really shine um, and be impactful. Um, but for us too, it's like, we don't have to worry about like say positioning, right? Because we were very much a, payments company in the healthcare industry, right? And, and so we were not focused on being a payments company in the um, services industry. We were not a payments company focused on going after 10 different industries. We, we were yep. very focused on, like we had that position in the product market marketing fit almost yep. locked in before I got there. And so if you're a first marketing hire or you know, an early marketing hire, you really need to kind of figure out what are those business challenges that need to be solved from the get-go. And that could be anything from, we are not, we don't have any awareness. We don't have product marketing fit. We don't have a good strategic narrative. We don't have good messaging. We don't have good positioning. Um, where should we be going after and spending our resources to fight, um, you know, are we going to focus on one industry, two industries, the buyer persona, things like that? So I think it's yeah, really yeah. honestly like you got to come in and be able to wrap your heads around all of that stuff very quickly because otherwise you're just going to be, uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming, right? It's like, what do I, what do I focus on it? And so for me, I think it's, it's, um, trying to figure out what those one or two things, um, that need the most urgent attention. Yes. And so for me, right. It's like, okay, we've got, uh, our positioning locked in place. We've got our messaging locked in place. Our strategic narrative is good. And once we sort of had those things, what I felt were at a really good place, it freed me up to then kind of say, okay, now we have an awareness problem. So how are we going to go solve? How are we going to go solve for that in a very, cost-effective way or how do i use my budget at hand to 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 do that so all right let's break that down and we'll go into the next stage in a sec so sure. um it sounds to me james correct if i'm wrong like the first step is actually and now it depends of course like you said whether your company's been going a little well or whether it's a brand new startup it's going to be situational right we can't cover every basis yeah. it's only a 30 40 minute show but with that said, we've done quite a lot on startups. So let's say your company's been established a little while. Um, we'll use the scenario like you've given us. And one of the first steps, it sounds like, is talk, talking to the founders, talking to the owners and directors of the company, 
and understanding what the focus like in your case you said do we need pipeline fast do we need like a ton of sales leads for our team and in that case they said they probably got enough uh, did you say like the remainder of the quarter or something yeah well and and like what i would say is to double down on that is don't necessarily take their word for it right so like yep. do the, do the work yourself because you know it's 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 funny how quickly it goes from we're okay to like oh my god we're not okay you know when you take your eye <laughs> yeah. off the ball um yeah yeah but i think like trying to be able to understand those issues and those levers that you need to pull or focus on um and I, and i think you know it's better to focus on a few things and do those few things well um and have a plan to communicate you know why you're going to focus on you know, a company narrative or, you know, pushing ads for growth or, or whatever it is. I think just have that plan, be able to communicate it and like, you know, feel confident in your decisions to, to, um, lead on that expertise. Right. Yeah. 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 So what we're saying is dig deeper. Like if they say we've, we've got enough pipeline for the remaining quarter, make sure they actually have like ask for some data around that, ask for some stats, say like, okay, what opportunities are there right now? Um, so you can really get a good feel for exactly what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then in your case, so that the company already had product market fit, they already had a, they had the ideal client profile map, mapped out. It sounds like they, they've got a specific niche that they're targeting. So not trying to work out like which, which industries, which job titles we are we honing in on. We've already got that established. Um, so for that reason, you thought it was more of like a, a brand awareness play that was needed. Was that right? Or Yeah, I mean, I, again, like I think for our purposes, you know, we did have very good product market fit. I think we had a very good customer base. And so it made it easy for me to say, okay, well, I'm going to use all those targeting layers to, to just start driving awareness. And, and part of it is, okay, I, you know, I'm not like a paid media. I mean, the difference between say me doing paid media and someone who actually knows what they're doing with paid media, like I know enough to be dangerous. But I felt like, you know, I could easily do run some ads and some tests and, and start leveraging, um, you know, some paid campaigns on LinkedIn to, to like grow our awareness um, and, and dedicate some budget to that. Yeah. Um, and really at that point too, by the time I was doing paid, you know, I had got it, worked on my content program, you know, started to pull some of those levers. Um and was able to use that content in our paid and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, if you're, you're trying to drive awareness for your company, um, you know, you got to step back and say, how are we going to do this? Do I have, you know, two, three grand a month to spend on ads? If I don't have money on spend some ads, um, do I need to do some other initiative or tactic to try to drive that awareness? Um, yeah. I think, you know, like a good example of, you know, if you don't have paid, um, I come back to, so you, you know, like Melissa Moody, the gated team, have you ever kind of run up against them at all? Gated, um, is that the email program that prevents certain emails coming in? Yeah. Or like they, they've got like, you got to pay to get access or, or donate to a charity or, or something like that. Okay. But I remember very clearly, like 
there was this one moment where it's like, I really had no idea who they were. And then one day it was like, everyone on LinkedIn was talking about using gated. Mm. And it was a very, um, when I actually talked to Melissa afterwards, it was like, she had put together this like very comprehensive, like LinkedIn influencer, like program where she got a whole bunch of like, you know, really popular, like LinkedIn marketers and, and go to market people to use gated. And then on a certain day, everyone was talking about it with the same messaging and, and the thing like that. And it was like, oh man, this is incredible. I remember Where... that actually. I remember that day. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, oh my God, like I can't go anywhere on LinkedIn without talking about gated. And so I think that there are things you can do where it's it's like you don't necessarily have to like spend money to to drive awareness, but if you know where your audience or who you want your audience to be and, and where they're hanging out, I mean, I think that there are ways where you can leverage things like a LinkedIn influencer campaign to to drive awareness to your company or you know, being on Reddit or core or, or different like places where you know you can leverage yeah, yeah. um certain audiences and communities to to you know drive low cost it's funny you should say that i did something similar when i released um i've written two books right one was a linkedin guide years ago and then the more recent one was the no bs guide to website lead gen yeah so what i did is because we've had so many guests on this podcast i literally sent a tailored email to like two or three hundred <laughs> I was up until like midnight emailing everyone like a few days before and I said like if you get a sec do you mind um just doing a quick post on LinkedIn here's the image here's even like a line of text you can put um and if you get a chance put a link in the comments and like in return like I'm happy to have you back on the show and I'll give you a free copy of the guide to try and try to sweeten up the deal like let's say like a third of them did it and then we got a few grand in like the book sale just because just because I did that so it worked out like a yeah it took me a couple hours but in return it Gave me a load of uh, signups for my email form, gave me a load of uh, book downloads, and like the return was like plentiful, really, just for a few hours sweat equity, really. I mean, and and I feel like I mean that's that's um, incredible, right? Because I feel like sometimes that's like what marketing is on a budget, where mm. you know if you're building, especially if if like you have a podcast or you're building relationships with people, at some point, if you're not asking really anything of them, at some point you can definitely pull that level lever of you know, I'm giving 80%. And then at some point, you know, I'll make an ask or two. And, you know, hopefully those people will pay me dividends in return. But almost inevitably, you know, if you were to reach out to me in six months to be like, hey, James, can you do X for me? Uh, because of this experience, I, I would say absolutely, like happy to help any way I can. Um, and so I think like when you give, 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 eventually when you ask, people are more receptive to do that. And you can absolutely leverage that um, in your marketing, right? I mean, I think like eventually that's, I'm hoping to do that. You know, we have a podcast with with Access One and, and you know, it's right now it's just good conversations and, and it's a big part of our content strategy, right? To have um, it's, you know, frankly, it's, I don't want to say it's played out in the marketing space, but like in the MarTech world, there are a lot of podcasts and, and things like that. Yeah. I mean, in healthcare, there's hardly any. And so it becomes a huge differentiator for us um, where we're doing these interviews and things like that. But along the way, you're building those relationships with people where eventually it's like, hey, can you do this for us? Or we're going to have an event. Do you want to speak and be a part of it? Um, 
and and so once you start making those asks and leveraging those relationships, it doesn't feel necessarily like it doesn't feel wrong or feel like you know it, it just feels like good like it's just part of like helping other people out so i mean that's awesome that you were able to do that for for your book sale and things like that but that's a perfect example of there are ways to do low cost awareness campaigns that don't necessarily rely just on paid spend yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean you, you raised a good example and like you say i think it's also tapping into those things isn't it because if you're a small marketing team like we said you're probably not going to have the, the biggest budget in the world so you've got to really get scrappy and think about once you've established your goals with leadership and the rest of your team like okay what what are we going to put the budget we have got in elsewhere where are we going to invest our time and our resources aside from that budget that might be going into xyz channel linkedin ads whatever how else can we le leverage our network our existing contacts our existing customers what other tools and do we have in our shed that we can put into play, whether that is starting a podcast and building that out in the house, like you say, whether that is starting some kind of useful guide for your industry, whether that's something else, your own webinar, thinking about all those resources that you've got available to you and the amount of time that you can dedicate to them to then create something that's going to be of value to your audience. And like you said, build relationships over time with those focused clients. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so key. I think, um, because I think that one of the hard things is like when you're asking stuff of your customers, it's like your product team is asking them for feedback and your customer success team might be asking them for stuff or, yeah, you know, depending on the size of your company, things like that. It's like asking, Hey, for your customers to, to, Hey, we want to use you in our marketing or we want you to be in a webinar. It, it can be hard sometimes to, to sort of be that additional ask when, so much is being asked of them already. But if you're just sort of genuinely, genuinely building relationships with them, like, you know, when you make an ask, I think like when you've built that relationship, it it feels like, oh no, I want to do a favor for James because I like him, or I want to do a thing for Sam because he's been really nice to me. And so it doesn't, doesn't feel sound like, like me. You're... What's that? <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. No, me either. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um <laughs> But, but, but you know what I mean? Where, where if you're building that relationship and, and that is, you know, in some ways hard, but I do think like marketing, if done well, is you're building relationships at scale in some ways. And so I think if you do it well, and what I've always sort of said is like, if marketing does their job well, they're essentially like the non-sales sales team, right? It's, it's your you're selling you, you're making people like your company. Um, but you're doing it in a way where you're reaching a whole lot of people, right? You're sending useful emails and, and things like that. And, and, and again, hopefully when, when those people are ready to buy, you know, they're already engaged with your company. Um, and so it makes it a little bit easier, uh, for sales to, to slide in and, and really kind of accelerate that process. But, um, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love building relationships at scale. That's a that's a great quote. And I think, in my opinion, anyway, a big part of that that's neglected by marketers is actually communicating with their sales team regularly and communicating with uh, customers themselves, um, just so you can actually make sure that the content, the media, the messaging that you're putting out 
is going to resonate with your target buyer because you're talking about the problems they care about or their goals that they care about, their ambitions, what they actually care about rather than just guessing or doing what your CEO tells you? I mean, yeah, no, I would 100% agree with that. And I think like it's an ongoing thing, right? Like I think sometimes like a lot of marketers, they're good at, you know, making that effort initially. Um, and I'm victim of this too, but, but I think like it, it has to be an ongoing process where, you know, you're, you're regularly communicating with your, your target buyer, whether that's customers or prospects. And, you know, that could be like listening to gong calls or, or whatever. Like I totally get that there are other ways around it, but if you don't have those um, resources, then you've got to partner with whoever has access to your customers or, or prospects, whether that's sales or, um, whoever because i think it needs to be sort of part of just your ongoing process as a marketer because that messaging might change the the problems they're having might change things you know they don't know they move quickly in some ways but in some ways they don't but you know you need to be kind of out ahead of it um and getting that sort of ongoing feedback over time because you know you don't want to be in a place where it's like, ooh, our messaging is no longer resonating because by then it's it's probably too late. You know, it's like yeah. you want to be out ahead of it um, and be sort of helping to sort of lead the market along versus you know being reactive. Sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing more important right than what you're putting out as a marketer to actually resonate with your ideal buyer because if it doesn't, then you're toast. You're wasting money. Um, you're wasting resources. Well, I, and I think like too like. It, it can be a challenge because I think like sometimes you, you can put stuff out where you're like, Oh man, this is, this totally resonates. And, and we had this issue a little bit where we just got back from a, a trade show and it was like, you're walking around the trade show floor and you're like, Oh, like our messaging, I think it resonates, but also it sounds a lot like everybody else's right. Right. It, it's like you're a lot of the companies and especially the companies in our space, are all sort of saying similar variations of, of the same thing. And so then it's like, well, now how do we maybe tweak that or how do we sort of address that where it's, we want to address their, the customer's pains and things like that, but we want to say it in a way that is different from the way that other, other people are saying it. Um, and so that, that was a little bit eye opening for me too, where you think it's good and you think you're kind of saying the right things, but then it's, it's, that's also like, well, but then like everybody else is saying the same thing. And so maybe our messaging is not as tight as it kind of needs to be. What did you do in that scenario? We haven't done anything yet because this literally just happened. Like, ah, okay. It's, it's like oh, now, now's the time to shift. So we'll have to It's get like back very on. fresh in my mind, right? Because we yeah, just man. had this trade show and it was maybe two weeks ago. Gotcha. And it's like, well, shoot. So it's like, this is like kind of my one big, big to do now is to, to sort of look at that messaging and, and um, yeah. maybe see how we can tweak it a little bit. Um, yeah. Cause it was very eye opening. It was like, oh, like our brand refresh looks good. You know, some of our messaging is good, but it's also not dissimilar from a lot of the other uh, companies in the market. So yeah yeah well look, i appreciate you being candid and, and sharing that with us because many wouldn't um so yeah let's get you on in a few months and, and see what happens um, yeah, yeah 
with that said, we've gone mastery off track, but I'm very glad we did because we shared some nice kind of ideas on what you can do when it comes to getting scrappy, getting resourceful and not necessarily needing a budget to make marketing ideas happen, bring things to market. Um, what I do want to get back to, though, is because we talked about kind of understanding what perhaps the owners, the founders, the leadership in your company um, care about what's going on right now and what angles that you should look at as a small marketing team. But how do we get them on side when we're doing things like we say, okay, pipeline's okay for the next quarter. So I'm going to look at ramping up our brand positioning. I'm going to build some demand in the market. How do we actually get buy-in? Because if you're a marketer and you understand all that stuff, absolutely fine. Yep, go ahead. Whereas if you're perhaps a founder that kind of really just cares about, yeah, let's bring on board new new logos, new client accounts. How do we kind of get that buy-in and how do we say, well, we need X grand for a LinkedIn ad campaign that's going to do that. And maybe we need a bit of cash to set up a podcast and maybe a bit of cash for some content so we can start writing some blogs and ramp up our SEO. Yeah, I mean, I think as a marketer, you have to just rely on the fact that, you know, look, part of part of your job is always going to be managing up, right? And and getting buy-in for um, whatever the, the program you want to do. So I, I think just for me, it came down to just being able to very clearly articulate, you know, I want to do X and I'm going to spend... X amount, um, you know, it helped that for me, I kind of knew what my budget was. I knew sort of what my monthly spend could be. And so I was very judicious about, you know, it's, I think it can be tempting to come in and, and say, we got to redo the website and spend X amount to do that. And not that you shouldn't, right? I, you know, if we were still Q squared and independent, I probably would have done a, a big re website redo like this year. But I think if you know, like, hey, I've got five grand to spend a month and I'm spending 800 on HubSpot or whatever it is and X amount and I've got this pool left over, I think then it kind of becomes a little bit easier to say, look, I want to spend, you know, this portion we need to do, um, content and as like for me right like it was very easy to be like look we are invisible to google right and the only way we're going to like not be invisible to google is if we do like you know these five things and so i think it became very easy to say like here's the problem and this is yep. a problem because when people are searching for what our company does they're not going to find us and we want them to find us and so and in order for them to find us, we need to do, you know, we could spend on PPC or we could start to build organically um, and and stuff. And, and so I was like, and here's, I want to do spend orga organically and build a program for the long haul. And so I think for me, it was just sort of presenting that case, right? Like putting a little PowerPoint together, you know, saying, here's what we're doing. Here's the problem we're solving here's how we're going to measure it so that over time, you know, we know if we're making progress and, and doing the right things. And then, you know, when we do a good job solving for this problem and, and we've hit these metrics, you know, here's sort of that next phase. And so for me, I think it's really just kind of having that like short, medium and long-term approach to, to solving that problem and, and having a plan for how you're going to measure it at each phase um, so that, 
when you go to the CEO and you're presenting back to them, you can show either progress is, you know, hey, we're doing great. We're not doing great. You know, why are we not doing great? Yeah. And so I yeah, think yeah. it's really just having that, um, making that case as simple or as, as complicated as you want to. And for me, I just, I tend to keep it simple. You know, here's what I want to do. Here's how much it's going to cost. Here are the results I want to drive towards. And, um, and I think I can do it for this amount and it's within the budget that you've allocated. And so I think at that point, you're kind of making like the no burner case for them to just say, okay, like, I, I trust you, like, let's sign off on it. Um, that's sort of how I approach it. I'm willing to admit that maybe that's not the answer for, for everyone, but, um, I think, especially if you're a small team and you have. You know, I always said to the CEO too, like, you know, he would say, look, I, I hired you because you're a marketer and I trust you, um, you know, and so it made it easy that they bought into marketing, but they also know they hired me for my expertise. And so, you know, you have to make that case to show like what that is, like why they hired you and bring that expertise to the front and yeah. sort of just be able to make that case. Um so that's kind of what I did, just kept it kind of simple. I think that's a really nice way of putting it together. Like saying that in your case, like SEO is like a perfect example, right? The problem is we're not being found on organic search when our prospects are searching for the service or offering we do. So our competitors are stealing our business. Like let's get some market share back. Um, yeah. And, and and that's the thing, right? It's like, yeah, you want that visibility. And, and I think like, again, with like SEO, you can make it as complicated or as simple as you want, right? Like at some point it's like, we have keywords and are those keywords converting and are we doing this and where are they going to and are we optimizing for X, Y, and Z, right? I mean, I think there are people who are better experts at SEO than, than certainly myself, but I think, um, you know, the way in which your company gets found, I think Google is still a pretty big part of that, right? Like, People still use Google for search. It's it's not going away anytime soon. And, and you want to be as visible and, and as omnipresent on Google as you possibly can be as a company. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, you, my, uh, my the audience of this show know that. that you're, you're literally preaching to the choir because pretty much all my solo episodes are on SEO and website and conversions. So, yeah, they're, they're probably sick to the back teeth of that. But, yeah, you're, you're certainly speaking to the converted there. So... Yeah, with that in mind, we've given some some decent examples. So we basically, to, to recap, we're saying like, speak to leadership, understand what's working well, what's not, look for the gaps, then explain what you're going to target, how you're going to do it, bring up the problem, break it into how you're going to measure success. Maybe there's certain signals you're going to look out for and then break it up into phases so you can easily get buy-in of budget and resources. Um, so I like that approach. In terms of kind of prioritizing time do you have like a framework of how you prioritize your your own james or your team's time in terms of like for this month we're going to dedicate or like a daily i don't know whether it's done on daily whether it's done weekly whether it's done monthly in terms of actually what you physically put your time into is it driven on revenue driven activities team driven but is there like a framework you follow yeah i mean for me i think just because i'm kind of wearing a lot of hats right now it's i, I do find i don't have like a percentage or i'm going to dedicate x percent to to whatever yeah but i think for me it's it's like looking at okay what are the things that i need 
you know, kind of typically on like a Sunday, I'll sort of like look at my week ahead and it's like, okay, what are the three things or four things, five things, whatever that I need to accomplish to have this week be a success. And then honestly, I, I typically will just like time box my week out. Right. So it's like, um, go into my calendar and okay, on Monday from 8am to 10, I'm going to dedicate that to writing this blog post or doing, you know, uh, these social clips, um, from this recent interview or, or whatever, whatever the thing is. And so just putting that time in the calendar, I mean, for me, I typically work better with like dedicated focus work in the morning. So I try to time box my, my mornings out, you know, Monday through Friday and keep any, um, meetings and things like that into the afternoon where it's, you know, afternoons are kind of like meetings and, you know, meetings and decisions right so it's it's more of that sort of administrative side of the work that i need to do like answering emails and following up and things like that just because i know usually by the afternoon it's like if i've gotten my focused work done then usually mentally it's like all i can handle is responding to emails and and sort of certain things like that um and so i think for for anyone you just have to figure out like how does it your brain works and like, just like make your schedule work for you. And, and for me, yeah. it's like protecting your calendar, making sure that you're not in 9 million meetings a month, you know, a week, a day, whatever it is, like giving yourself that time to do that sort of heads down focused work, whether it's, okay, this is, I'm doing my reporting for the week, or I'm doing my, you know, building my lists for whatever campaign, or, you know, I'm, setting up my ad campaigns, you know, and just chunking it off and dedicating that time in the calendar. So I, for me, I find that like time boxing is, has been the one thing that has worked really well in terms of prioritizing my own time and, and being able to dedicate to getting all the, all the things done. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing is just like knowing you have good teammates, right? So trusting that they're going to kind of work you know, they're handling the stuff that they need to do and, you know, however that works for them and um, just checking in regularly to make sure that they're kind of doing that stuff, you know, doing things that they need to do. But um, I try not to, to micromanage like anyone that, that I hire. It's like, I think if you hire good people, you should be able to trust them to, to handle their business. And, and uh, I think, right. Like just setting that expectation. It's like, look, I want you to like manage up, like you keep me posted on how things are going and raise any flags and let me clear any roadblocks that you need to clear. But otherwise like I hired you to do this because you're really good at it. So like, go do it and like, keep me posted. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm much the same in terms of time blocking. Like, it's it's so beneficial especially to know if you work best in the morning or afternoon or evenings whatever because i'm pretty much the same as you like the morning i can get a fair bit done and i notice as soon as i after lunchtime or if i go to the gym or whatever at lunchtime then i'm just two three o'clock i'm not going to get a great deal done so it's better off i focus on kind of i don't know admin work or management work or that kind of stuff and focus on like the revenue driving activities in the morning because i yeah. can be wide awake on it alert um, but yeah, knowing that and then blocking that on the calendar is is, is sound advice because, like you say, you can make sure it gets done and not chuck in a load of meetings that might not be needed till the later in the week or later in the day. Yeah, it's and it's it's like for me, I mean, those days that feel successful are the ones where, you know, where that's happened. The ones that don't feel successful, where it's like, 
I was just in meetings for eight hours a day. And you're like, what did I do today? And it's, it's like when you don't protect your time, it, you know, you can feel it at the end of the day where it's like you didn't get that like one or two things that you really needed to get done. And it's it's tough when it just kind of like rolls over into the next week. And you're just like, man, I, I did not do a good job um, of giving myself the, the time because it's tough. It's like when you're doing a podcast or you're cutting up content or you're doing whatever it is like sometimes like that stuff takes time that's like and you yeah. need to give yourself the two or three hours or whatever it is to to be able to to do that um because it's not something you can do in 20 minute spurts in between all the other things you're you're doing throughout the course of the day yeah yeah, yeah. and like you're saying recognizing when something when you've done it yourself you might realize oh this isn't actually the best use of my time i'm going to ask if a, a colleague can do it or even outsource it um because it's it's something I can just mark down, make a video recording of, and get get an admin or a VA to to help me with. So, yeah, all those all those nice tips. Um, before we rack things up, James, this has been an enjoyable conversation. It's gone a different direction, okay. which I'm happy about. Are there any other? We got into a few kind of free, scrappy, resourceful ways that marketing teams can kind of basically drive drive more awareness, drive more revenue, more pipeline. Any others that we haven't talked about? Any more unusual approaches? that come to mind that you might have i don't think so i mean like to be honest the one thing that i love about always like being in like healthcare for the u.s in some ways it's like you know i can kind of look and take stuff that other people are in like marketing go you know um like linkedin marketing and it's nice feeling like i can steal from other places and like apply it to, to healthcare so i don't necessarily have any um kind of wild outside the box ideas that would be, you know, new or groundbreaking or, or revolutionary by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I think like, again, like my background as a journalist, like I'm just a big believer in, you know, sort of that ongoing flywheel of like when you're doing content all the time and like involving your audience in that content development, whether it's interviews for stories or blogs or podcast interviews or, or whatever. Yep. I was like, that is to me, it's not revolutionary, but it is one of those things where if you dedicate your time to doing it, like you'll start to, those results will compound over time. Yeah. So and, true. and, you know, if you are creative about in the ways in which you use that content um, and enable sort of that permissionless co-marketing where you're enabling those people to, Hey, I was on this podcast. Like you set those guests up for success they're in turn going to like promote their appearance or, or their sort of participation in that content. And that's going to like tap into their network. And I think that those sort of um, little wins over time compound um, to what sometimes feels like overnight success. But uh, yeah. for me, yeah, yeah. I think it's just uh, sort of building those flywheels and, uh, and doing what you can. Um, so it's nothing revolutionary, but um, I am just a big believer in sort of that audience building and and providing you know useful content um, over time and and seeing those gains compound um, from them. So, mm. Mm. yeah, I mean the the basics are the ones that work because, like you said, the beauty of creating content flywheel is the content that you put out. If you're creating what we call owned assets, like if you're starting a podcast doing a video series, webinar series, writing your own blog articles, and you're making sure they're actually genuinely useful, generally answering questions that your target customers have or 
handling problems or handling frustrations that are brought up in sales schools and the content is generally like you've gone out of your way to make it useful for them then if you're putting that on places that are evergreen i.e your own website blog articles youtube podcast channels they're not just a one and done they're going to stay there for a lifetime now so they can be they're searchable whether that's on google youtube so they they can be they can ramp up in the search engine they can be found so they can provide lifetime value for your company through search engines, through attracting people to your site, to building your brand, driving inbound. Um, on a funny note, like our podcast, we get like the odd um, inquiry every now and then because someone will listen to it then might approach me for consulting or web work or SEO work. But this week alone, we've had a consult request a day purely from the podcast, which is, and it went from this like stack line of like up and down inquiries to just a snowball effect. Yeah. So it literally shows you that doing these things consistently and kind of going out your way to actually make sure your audience, you're being kind of general resource and understanding what they want to ha- learn about will, um, yeah, build up over time. Yeah, that's, ama- that's amazing. And, and like that'll pay dividends for you and your company. I mean, into this year, you know, I think like that's the other thing is just like being able to use that content um, and making sure it's it's evergreen and and you know, I'm always amazed that companies don't do a a good enough job like using older content and still using it. Um, Because it's like, if the content's good six months from now, it'll still be good. Eight months from now, it'll still be good. And so you should definitely kind of keep using it in, you know, email, social, whatever that ends up being. and so don't don't sleep on you know updating and using old content. It doesn't always have to be net new. So that that's kind of the big um, big thing as well. Big believer in uh, making sure that you don't uh, don't forget about you know maximizing your your older content that you've already made. Yeah, that's a nice point. Yeah, yeah, repurposing for sure. Great, great ad, James. With that, sir, it's been a great conversation. Thank you very much for for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Of small B2B wow. marketing teams with myself and the audience. I don't know how wisdom wisdomy it is, but uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This is uh, fun. No worries, man. So with that said, please do tell everyone more about how they can learn from you, how they can connect with you, and the best way to get in touch. Yeah, I mean, best way always is LinkedIn. So you can find me, um, James Furbush, uh, VP of Access, VP uh, of Marketing and Access One. Uh, so definitely LinkedIn. Uh, I'm probably in every, um, Slack marketing community. So probably be found there. Um, and most of the big ones, and then, um, you know, definitely check out access one pay.com, which is our company website. We just, uh, rolled out our new website. Um, and so if you want to learn more about, about what we do as a company, you can uh, definitely check us out there. Um, so yeah legend we'll put all of those links over in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing with that thanks once again james awesome sam thanks for having me appreciate it this is fun no worries man and as always if you enjoyed today's episode be sure to leave a quick rating or review on your podcast channel or if you're on youtube a subscribe goes a very long way and we'll catch you on the next one for more actionable no bs b2b marketing tips to grow your business and grow revenue cheers for tuning in